The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 163. Oi! Don't be scared. All of this is new to you and new can be scary. When people need help, I never refuse. There's this moment when you're sure you're about to die, and then you're born. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Should be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the latest uh, 13th Doctor episode called Praxius. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, remember to like The Secrets of Doctor Who on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Secrets of Doctor Who, where we have uh, great discussions with listeners. Even before before we uh, record an episode, we have uh, listeners showing up there to give their first impressions and commentary on the episodes as they air. And uh, it's always a good place. Also, where we get warnings to avoid spoilers in case there's a big spoiler. So be sure to check out our Facebook page. And also, if you can go on Twitter, where we're at SQPN, retweet the show, follow us on Twitter, and leave us comments. All right, so let's talk about Praxius. This is the latest episode <laughs> of Dark to Who. We're halfway through this season already, which is kind of surprising. Than. Yeah, more than halfway. Um, all right, so I want to... Tom, what did you think? <laughs> I want to start off with yeah. uh, my my overall impression. It's This is another stinker of an episode. Uh, we've gone from mm-hmm. highs to lows to high to low again. I don't know yep. why this is, but... And it's not that it's another environmental message. I'm fine with with you know, hey, be be you know, good stewards of the planet that God has given you. I'm fine with that. It's the ham fisted way that they do this. This felt like an a children's after after school special message. Uh, plastics are bad. Uh, that's what mm-hmm. we start with, and then mix in a whole bunch of Doctor Who tropes, running around and going different places, and then you know, uh, come up with a, a, a message at the end to, to wrap it all up and yeah, rah, rah, rah. It's a jumble. The plot was a mess. Um, no one is acting according to real human motivation, but they're just doing things because they're puppets in the screenwriter writer's hands. And because the screenwriter needs them to be here or there to, for whatever, you know, end plot reason they have. And just, I, so that's my overall impression. What do you Tell guys us think? How you really feel? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was so frustrated because we only get ten some odd episodes a season, and when you get two stinkers, it's a high percentage. But father, father, what did you think? I wanted to like this episode. Yeah, I really did. And again, it, you know, it wasn't. I mean, I, I like the concept of, you know, the companions are going off and they're trying to figure out what's going on and they're each having a role to play and trying to figure out where this is coming from and what's happening. And I really wanted to like it, you know, you almost kind of, you know, CSI, NCIS type, you know, uh, things going on. And it was and it was getting into the, the environmental message again. It, like you said, Dom, the the after school special, you know. You almost expected at the end of the episode, like the 1980s, where you'd have this little, uh, little, you know, 30 second snippet with the doctor saying, you know, and this is why environmental or, you know, why we need to care for our environment, you know, like they right. used to have at the end. Cause this was a very special episode. <laughs> and it, it just, it was hard. At least it wasn't at Orphan 55 and preaching to the fourth wall. I mean, right. we can at least say that you didn't have the scene where the doctor is looking right at the camera. And that's why you need to protect the environment from plastic. I liked it. Oh, really? <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I liked it. OK, um, I, I, I don't have to, I, I don't mind the environmental message. I don't even I don't have to agree with the environmental message. Uh, while there is plastic pollution in the ocean, um, it has been largely overstated and Countries like the UK and America and Europe have almost nothing to do with the problem. 
If you look Mm -hmm. up plastic pollution on the interwebs and Wikipedia has a good page on this, the amount of plastic in the ocean is overwhelmingly. I mean, what what problem there is, is overwhelmingly produced by China, Mm -hmm. followed by Indonesia um, uh, and the Philippines and Vietnam. China alone Mm -hmm. is twenty seven point seven percent of the stuff in the ocean. That's that's more than a quarter of the plastic in the ocean is China. You add in Indonesia, that's another 10 percent. Both uh, Philippines and Vietnam are more than 5 percent. That's 50 percent of the stuff in the ocean is just four countries. And yet and, I have to. And I the have vast to... majority. I, I'll let you guys have your say. Let <laughs> no, me have no, my I was, say. Yeah. I was going to make a joke about it. Go ahead. And the. And. The most of the rest of it is underdeveloped nations um, mm-hmm. that have sea coasts. Uh, the United States is less than one percent. Yep. Britain is less than one percent. Europe, as a whole, now that England is gone, is less than one percent. So the developed nations have their act together on this. This is not a developed nations problem. Right. This is a developing nations problem. Um, and to the extent it's a problem at all. And then they mentioned the other thing that we have microplastics in our body. I would like to know a time in human history when we didn't have small particles from our food utensils in our bodies, whether <clears throat> it was ceramic or wood or stone or pottery. We have always had that and we have survived despite it. And we don't have particular evidence that microplastics in our bodies are causing a huge problem. Having said all that, this is a sci fi show. And it didn't it was it a little preachy? No more than Doctor Who is on other things right. like the Green Death, you know, which had an environmental message back in John Pertwee's day. Uh, I can accept exa- sci fi exaggeration of scenarios as cautionary tales. That's fine. What they didn't do this time. Father, you mentioned this. They didn't preach to the fourth wall. They although there there was a line that I would have cut about you're poisoning your bodies and you're poisoning your planet. That was preachy. That's that's the line. It wasn't a big mm-hmm. speech at the end. It didn't break the fourth wall. The fact they didn't do a G.I. Joe. And now, you know, and that's half the battle thing at the end <laughs> is they didn't do that. So I didn't have right. the problem with this that I did with Orphan 55. There are things that I I think are plot holes in this, as there usually are. It's like you've got a time machine and now you've got control of it, unlike in early incarnations. Uh, what do you mean you don't have time? Right. What do you mean you'll be right. back in an hour? You yep. can come back yep. five minutes ago. Um, yeah. and so there are there are plot holes, but no more than normal. What I liked was I liked seeing the team split up for a reason this time, yep. not just let's all go explore in a dangerous place for no reason. They're actually doing something. There's a reason for them to split up. That makes Sometimes. sense. I I liked this in this in this episode. There is a reason. And because they've got three things to investigate. So they split up and investigate. Right. Mm -hmm. I like the doctor showing confidence in the team. It normally takes a lot longer for the team to be this trusted to where the doctor will let companions investigate things on their own. Um, I like that. I thought that uh, the episode had a complex structure that I found pleasing. Um, I like seeing more complex things. I liked the off-screen TARDIS hopping that the Doctor was doing through the first half of the episode where she just shows up and we didn't even see the transport. And it's like, that's nice. That's, you can do that kind of thing with a time machine. Do that. Um, I So that I thought was exploiting the potential of the show. Um, there were a lot of things that I thought the whole episode, I thought, had a nice forward momentum. And it had uh, a tense pace. I liked Jodie Whittaker's acting. I thought she was mm-hmm. uh, coming across as more serious than normal and more worried than normal. And whenever the doctor is worried, as opposed to strutting, that um, that genuinely ups the drama. So I enjoyed that. There are, you know, bunches of things I would uh, criticize about it, including things that, you know, I have moral differences with some of the stuff. but the. Uh, the thing overall, I, I enjoyed. I thought it was a good episode. It wasn't it wasn't my favorite of this season, but I thought it was a good mm. episode. So take that. The the thing I was gonna say I was gonna make a joke about 
uh, the mm-hmm. fact that America produces less than 1% of the plastic in the ocean, and yet I still have to use paper straws everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and that's an example of, of, of American political nuttiness. Yes. Yep. All right. Well, uh, it, I'm glad that, that we have different opinions. That'll make this an interesting conversation then as we go mm-hmm. through it. Uh, so let's let's talk about the episode as we as we go. It, it starts and ends with a voiceover from the doctor, pretty much basically talking about you know Earth, the 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 little blue marble in space, the only one we got, um, you know, from the bottom of the ocean to the top of the atmosphere, which is where we're going to go in this episode. By, by, by the way, we want to keep our metaphors for Earth straight. It's either a pale blue dot per Carl Sagan <laughs> or it's a big blue marble per PBS. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, I will keep trying to keep that straight. Uh, so we start with a Soyuz capsule crashing out of orbit. Uh, oh, Which is not a Soyuz capsule. No. That it, doesn't look anything like Soyuz. No. And, and it's, why is there a lone British uh, European Space Agency astronaut on, the, on this capsule this Russian capsule. It didn't make sense. It would normally be multiple astronauts, but that's okay. Well, this is the first of the, for plot reasons, <laughs> yep. bits of this episode. Um, Notice that also could be fixed with dialogue. They could have just called it anything other than Soyuz and it would have been fine. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, so they uh, could have been a Tesla. <laughs> mm-hmm. but, yeah. so, so then we uh, slam cut to a cop chasing a, a guy through a store. A shoplifter. Uh, a shoplifter. And it turns out that the the policeman isn't really a policeman. He's on sabbatical working security for the store or something. But it, it's as if, you know, Dirty Harry or uh, what was uh, uh, um, Mel Gibson's character in Lethal Weapon was, you know, take a leave from the police and went to work as store security and was like over eager. So by, by the way, I, I enjoyed this scene because I have done that. You've tackled the guy through. I, I used to be a private detective. Uh, yes, I have tackled people in shoplifters in grocery stores. That's awesome. Um, I, I used to be a private detective under American law. You do not have to be a policeman to make a citizen's arrest. And I was at one point in grad school hired to uh, pretend to be a shopper for hours a day as part of security for supermarkets. I'd go to different stores on different days and I would arrest people. And it is t- intense. You never know who's going to have a gun, and sometimes they do. Um, and uh, and and your adrenaline gets up, and there is a reason that cops smoke after after <laughs> busting somebody. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Jimmy just gets more interesting every day, right, Father Corey? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know more and more about him. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we have this cop. His name is Jake Willis, played by Warren Brown, who uh, I've seen mm-hmm. him in a few other things. I've, I've always really liked this this actor. He's really good in uh, in mostly action stuff. He plays a lot of police officers. You look at his yeah. his. Uh, CV and he plays a lot of police officers. Uh, Luther might be the one series that people might know him the best for. Oh right, he's uh, with Al- Ildris Elba. Yeah, and- yeah, I've seen him as a play a soldier and in some other things too. So yeah, I really enjoy him. He's also done a, bu- uh, it's a bunch of Big Finish actually uh, Has he? stuff, including um, a uh, Big Finish series uh, involving Unit. So that's mm, cool, interesting. So you, you might he's find also. To yeah. make him more interesting, he was also a world tie boxing champion. Twice. Was he really interesting? <laughs> that makes some sense since I've seen him uh, uh, do soldier, you know, which film explains fighting. why he is more physical. Obviously, you know, yeah. he, since he's champion of a very physical sport. So right. So uh, he, we have this scene of him tackling the guy, and the owner of the store is like, uh, "That's a little too much for somebody that's a uh, uh, shoplifting in our uh, grocery store." And then we uh, cut to Peru. Uh, where we have some backpackers yeah, to and, women. And that's a flaw in the writing, because if you're going to have security to do inventory control, yeah. you got to count on some of the people are going to run at some point. And what do you do in that situation? Do <laughs> right. you want the person arrested or not? Right. Why do you have someone being security for your store if you don't want them to do this? Right. Uh, so we have uh, Peru. We have these two women who are backpackers. It turns out they're travel vloggers. Uh, yep. And they, two girls roaming. Two girls roaming, and they show up at this uh, supposed to be this idyllic spot uh, on this river in Peru, and it turns out it's a garbage-strewn riverbank that it's all covered in garbage, and they decide to camp on top of the garbage, like not even like the, yeah. like find a spot a little away from the river, maybe that yeah. doesn't. 
Like, that was that was not <laughs> that credible. Was it's like just walk back up the road and camp somewhere a little further inland. <laughs> exactly. It's so weird. Well, and it it doesn't seem like they're that far away from civilization since they have cell coverage. <laughs> right, yeah. right. They're probably pretty close to per- Lima or uh, Quito or, or no, that's Ecuador. Uh, Lima I, or somewhere. I, I, I did like how Gabriella, the one who survives, mm-hmm. is like incredulous that the TARDIS crew has never heard of two girls roaming. Exactly. I love the 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 insular internet bubble that she lives the, the in youtube they're youtube famous and not realizing <laughs> yes. that doesn't mean they're famous everywhere right she she keeps asking people don't i, I assume you recognize me like nope i <laughs> just love that bit <laughs> um and so uh the other girl oh what's her name um jamila jamila wakes up in the middle of the night goes out and there's masses of crows flying overhead and a hitchcock movie breaks out she gets attacked yeah by the yep. crow and yeah, I have in my notes, this is basically the Andromeda strain meets the birds. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um, and then uh, Jake is, we, we go next to a bar where Jake's sitting in the bar and watching the news that an, this astronaut, Adam Lang, has crashed in the Indian Ocean. Uh, and meanwhile, um, Jake, the cop, not cop, gets a text from Adam saying, help me, and he's in Hong Kong. How does Adam send this text? This is this is one of the plot holes. We yeah. have we're we're not given any way for um Adam to have sent this text. And especially it's not even from his phone because it's right. not in the contact info. Right. For I mean, Jake has to ask who is this. So this is a genuine plot hole. It's a minor one, but it's a plot hole. They needed to give us a line of dialogue about I got out for a second and used my phone or used a phone I found. And then they right. grabbed me again. Exactly. Because we presume that he's been kidnapped or, you know, by the aliens at this point and is in their right. control. Uh, well, one thing I will give them credit for is the, the phone number has an 852 area co- or country code, which is Hong Kong. So at right. least they got that much accurate. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's that was that's pretty, uh, pretty good that they got that accurate. So uh, back in Peru, uh, Gabriella has woken up and Jamila is gone. Where? <laughs> how did she get a go? Away? Like, where did Jamila go? Like, she and ends up in a hospital. But like, how does she get from the tent being attacked by crows to the hospital? They had some line in there, and this is another thing that should have been clearer. They should have more clearly explained what happened, but they did have some line in there about she was seen coming this way or something like that. She got attacked they went into the hospital and wandered off, and someone found her. Maybe, I guess, and because mm. she because if if the tent was there, I mean, they would presume they would have woken up. Gabrielle, maybe Gabrielle is a really deep sleeper. Possibly. Well, she was snoring pretty good, so. <laughs> so, uh, the, but two girls roaming. I mean, you know, young people who knows what they're on these days. <laughs> right, those young people. <laughs> <laughs> so a dead crow uh, falls out of the sky nearly on Gabriella's head while she's wondering where Jamila went. And then Ryan shows up, uh, who is, tells her that he's looking into these birds doing their thing and she doesn't trust him at first. Good for her. And, and- yeah, and I liked how mm-hmm. she she checks him out. I mean, she, she even frisks him. She invites her. She <laughs> frisks him. She, he invites her to go through his backpack, which she does. Uh, that's reason. Those are reasonable precautions. Uh, yeah. a, a little, a little. In fact, they're a little aggressive in terms of precautions. <laughs> right. But they're precautions, and I like that. Mm-hmm. I also liked how Ryan said, "Don't touch the bird." But then, Ryan, you need to take that seriously. Yeah. Um, Using a shirt to grab a bird that's infected with a plague is not the best strategy. No. You should have brought some nice latex gloves and a plastic bag from the TARDIS <laughs> right. um, to put the bird in. And you shouldn't have touched the bird when you open it up in the lab later for just a second before you put on the nitrile gloves. I noticed yeah. that. <laughs> it was a mistake. Um, also, OK, so then we we go back to Hong Kong where uh, Jake shows up uh, at the location. How long does it take to get from uh, London to Hong Kong? Uh, like a day. How, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess 15 hour flight. I don't know. We're, we're, yeah, we're playing fast. And, to, yeah. To get the flight. It's going to be a day. Yeah. yeah. We're playing fast Nine and loose with time here. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. So, uh, so he shows up there and Graham and Yaz are there. Uh, he's trying to, I like how that he's trying to kick down the door and they're like, uh, what are you doing? Why don't we try this master key that we have? Yeah, which they then don't use on the internal door, so he gets to kick that down. It's like, what happened to the skeleton keys you just used? Did it right. work on that door? Right. 
uh, I did like the like Graham um, holding the device upside down and uh, not knowing which way the energy reading was coming from when they yeah. got inside. That, and Yaz helps them out. Uh, then we have Madagascar. We have these two people who are working, you know, on in this. We find out it's a lab on the beach, yeah. and the doctor shows up, and she's coming to rescue this guy who's drowning in the surf in the water. Um, and uh, we'll find out. We're, we keep switching back and forth, but just you know to kind of mm-hmm. close that loop. They've, it's a Navy sailor whose sub went missing in the Indian Ocean. And, and he has a severe case of body horror, which is another nice thing in this yes. episode. The body horror yeah. was pretty good. I thought but he was, was going to turn to Tim Shaw. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar to that to that yeah. Uh, that look. Yeah. What it looks like is little scaly bone fragments are spreading over your skin. So you look like Doomsday from the DC comics. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then it get, then it, it, it rapidly grows for uh, it reaches some critical mass. Rapidly grows all over him, and then he explodes into sand or dust or what, what have you. Yep. Um, and of course, the doctor's not worried about con- con- developing this contagion based off of whatever remnants are left. So, <laughs> right. Uh, then uh, let's see. We have um, Yaz and Graham and Jake. They encounter this, this guy in a gas mask and full body environmental suit to ask them, "Are you my mummy?" And then, you know, I really feel like they missed an opportunity there for the doctor to say something uh, along yeah. those lines. Uh, yeah, at some point, the doctor could have. The companions would not have known about that. Right, yep. right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, so they, they encounter these guys. They get into a, a gunfight with them, you know, a laser fight. And uh, they find Adam inside um, uh, where he's hooked and up he, to some alien energy source. And he's in a spacesuit that they never take him out of. Yeah, I, that was another end. problem I had. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Like, just take the spacesuit off. He's got an undergarment on there. You know, there's a mm-hmm. there's a, a cooling suit that's usually under those. Uh, but nope, they drag him around in the spacesuit, um, and he's and he, he they find him hooked up to some equipment. Um, meanwhile, Me- Ryan, go ahead. Meanwhile, uh, in Peru, uh, <laughs> Ryan and Gabrielle yep. uh, go into a hospital where they find Jamila's body, which is about to explode, but not quite yet. And even though they're going into a hospital, neither of them thinks to get gloves and masks. Well, even, we, though, even though they know the birds are infected and they know there's right. some kind of problem with Jamila, they don't wear gloves and masks. And Gabriella even strokes Gabe, Jamila's face with yeah. her bare mm-hmm. hand. And Ryan, with his bare hand, touches her scaly bony things. Right. But don't touch the crow. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. where is everybody? We, like, we have no explanation. Is everybody dead? Have they all turned to dust? Have they run away? Um, and if so, mm-hmm. why is there not a guard on the hospital? Like, there is no, yep. like, again. Mm-hmm. We're, There's literally nothing. The place looks like it's completely run down. You know, like the lights are flickering and lights are out and just. Right. It was. Is it, Maybe they all virus detonated. Right. Uh, Well, that's the thing is, is again, I feel like plot jumble. No explanation. It's obvious that's what they were trying to imply, but they never actually just flat out said it. Yeah. And uh, you'll notice we're pointing out all of these plot things that are basically in the first half of the show. Yeah. As Mm -hmm. as it's really the first half that they should have given us a little more dialogue to explain what's going on to close some of these plot holes. Once we get into the second half of the show, the plot evens out. And I think this is where both Dom and I had the idea that this was a, you know, like a a Saturday or an after school special. Right. You know, where it was just poorly written. I was so frustrated. Again, it wasn't so much the message. It was. They just did do a good job giving the message. (laughs) I was so frustrated by the by the second half that maybe I just I you know I I would had kind of given up on it maybe that might mm. be um yeah in terms of poorly written I think I mean writing operates on multiple levels and I think where the writing falls down on this is dialogue fixes to close plot holes that's mm-hmm. cuz the inner character dialogue I thought was fine mm-hmm. yeah. the overall structure of the story I thought was fine um it's really the it's the things that are going to annoy plot mavens like me right. is like, wait, why this? And they did close some mm-hmm. things. Like one of the questions I had for myself is if the doctor knew there was alien tech operating in Hong Kong, why didn't she, why didn't she take that assignment and let Yaz and Graham do something else? Because she's the right. only one who really knows about alien tech. 
But mm-hmm. then they gave us a line of dialogue to explain that as she did a scan for life forms and there weren't any. Now, that right. may or may not be a sufficient reason to to take a different one. Well, but, um, but at least they closed that plot hole. They gave us some reason. Well, and there was also she also said she was following the ocean currents of the Atlantic or the uh, Indian Ocean. And it's a little easier to do that with the TARDIS than it is by yeah. you know, catching commercial flights and so on. So, well, and she's yeah. presumably dropping them off from the TARDIS. Yes. In these places. Yeah. Uh, so the Ryan calls the uh, the doctor when they find Jamila in the morgue. They, she, he on, calls the on, their, on his com dot from com the dot. Saranga conundrum. Yep. Yep. We have those yep. back. And uh the doctor shows up and uh, Jamila's uh, who's dead. We get more body horror. Her body starts convulsing from the, uh, from the, 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 the virus. Uh, so Camilla's I'm sorry, Jamila, not Camilla. Jamila died, but the Navy guy was alive and I'm, I'm just, yeah. and, and Adams is alive. I'm trying so, to, I don't know why so, she died. Well, it's like any other infection. It can continue to eat on you after it has terminated your life processes. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like gangrene. And yeah. different people will die at different points in the gangrene process, but then the gangrene will keep going even after they're dead. Okay. So apparently in Jamila's case, it, it got to a vital organ and killed her before it hit critical mass and blew her up. Okay. So then now we have this uh, the shootout with the aliens uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, where the Jake and uh, the companions uh, are successful in rescuing Adam and shooting the aliens. And that's when the doctor shows up at the end of that. And Um, I like that Jake uses the laser rifle to effectively deal with aliens and we don't have any anti-gun preachiness. So I give this episode props for that too. She does just (laughs) throw it away. uh, But yeah, she doesn't uh, lecture him for shooting at them. She doesn't lecture us. (laughs) Because they shot first. Uh, So Yaz... You know they're all they're carrying Adam, who's injured. You know who's who, uh, who's ill into the TARDIS, and then Yaz doesn't go in. She says, "You know what? I didn't get that alien tech that we saw in there. I want to go back and get it. Why don't you come back for in, for me in an hour?" And I'm thinking, "Why? You're not thinking four dimensionally, Marty? Or why? Yeah. Why do they have to leave? Okay. Oh, right. You guys watch Adam. The Doctor and and Yaz are going to go in and get that while the TARDIS is here." Like, because where does the TARDIS need to go? Why Why well, do they need to go the, anywhere? They this is something that they could have established better, but they need to get the TARDIS somewhere. Apparently, they don't have. And this is another problem. They <laughs> apparently don't have. I mean, if you think about it, the TARDIS should have every piece of medical device ever invented. Mm-hmm. That's another problem I had. Yes. <laughs> but you can't make the TARDIS the solution to every problem the show encounters. So right. they need to someday deal with that about what tech is and isn't on the TARDIS. Um, but the the reason they don't have time is they need to deal with these other emergencies and they need to get Adam to somewhere where they can get him proper medical treatment. And and so they end up taking him to the clinic on Madagascar. Yeah. But and by the way, it's nice to see Madagascar. You know, it, <laughs> does, it doesn't show up in enough fiction. Um <laughs> But they the problem is they don't or they haven't already established that there is a clinic there. But that could have been a dialogue fix, because when the Navy guy washed up on the beach, um, Suki, one of the one of the researchers Mm -hmm. on Madagascar, could have said, let's get him up to my lab so we can treat him. I've got all this medical stuff there. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I've seen and and that would have even been within her interest, knowing what we know about her by the end of the episode, because she's studying the effects of this on humans. And here's a human who's got it. Right. Again, it just it's it's sloppy. I mean, that's this is part of that sloppiness. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah. And then the whole thing of the for me, it felt like Yaz and Gabriella, for some reason, Gabriella decides to stay with Yaz. That that's mm-hmm. not given a reason well, either. No, no, no. They they explain that. She says after what happened to Jamila, she's ready to fight something. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Oh, that's right. I think I I missed that the first time. So, but there's no there's no motivational reason for for them to split apart from that. Like I, I see what you're saying, but it it just felt like Yaz mm-hmm. is staying behind because we need Yaz to be separated from the Doctor. To to do to do Yaz companion things. And well, that just on, felt on artificial. A pl- on a plot level, yes, that's part of what's happening. 
but they do give us an on-screen reason, which is there was this piece of technology that was really valuable to the aliens, and I couldn't get it at the moment. I need to go back and get it now. No, no, mm-hmm. I get that. It's just why does Yaz need to go alone? That's that was the thing, and and, and I I get what you're saying because they establish that the TARDIS doesn't have a lab that they need to get Adam right away to somewhere else. I I suppose it just felt. Uh, we've already talked about that. You got to have mm-hmm. companion separation. I mean, yes. it's just, it's that simple. You got to have it. Otherwise it couldn't advance the plot. Right, right, right. Uh, so back in Madagascar, we established that uh, Adam, the astronaut and Jake, the cop are a couple that they were uh, married and are separated. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's just, and, and we, and yeah. we get to see Chekhov's microfiltration system. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yep. Uh, and then we see these weird misshapen crows, the, the, you know, here in Madagascar, just like the ones in Peru. Um, uh, we, I have a note uh, back in Hong Kong, the annoying travel vlogger is still doing, do you know who I am? Yep. <laughs> uh, then uh, they see that one of the injured aliens wakes up and teleports out of the, uh, the, the warehouse in, in Hong Kong. And, uh, Yaz gets the idea that maybe we should do that too, uh, which seems like a bad idea. But they, t- but at least they they establish uh, it's discussion no worse about it. than innumerable companions doing the same exact yep. thing uh, in uh, Doctor Who right. history. <laughs> Let's follow I, okay. that bad guy into a space we've never been before. Yes, yep. and, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, that is that is pretty standard. And and they discuss it. They talk about the dangers, and she talks with Gabriella. And they do it anyway, which is fine. Uh, I've, we've seen Rose and Amy and Martha and all of everyone do that. Oh, yeah. uh, so back in Madagascar, this is where I wrote, uh, why isn't the doctor using some kind of lab on the TARDIS with her much more advanced technology, which is OK. We we need to have the doctor interacting with the world outside the TARDIS. I get that. Um, she she asks Ryan to dissect the bur- the dead crow. Why doesn't she just use her sonic on it? Oh, it's full or, of plastic. Or- or ask Suki, the qualified medical person who has a lab, to do it. <laughs> right, yep. right. Uh, and then, as we said, Ryan touches the bird with his bare hand. That's a directing flaw. That yeah, should have yeah, been. Yeah. That's that's a camera thing. They, they should have reshot a, that. N- not yeah. in the script. Yeah. Uh, the doctor finds out that Adam is infected with an alien pathogen, and both Ryan and Graham don't know what pathogen are. I'm. I like the fact that they had both Ryan and Graham. Because if it was right. just Ryan, it's, oh, it's the young guy who's stup- too stupid to know what a pathogen is. No, 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 no. Let's just establish that pathogen is not a word that a lot of people might know and have the doctor uh, explain it. This is one where I had more of a problem because they should have known what a pathogen is well, or they been should. able to infer it from context. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But at least it wasn't I, I did just like, like, Graham's, I like... I did like Graham's way of putting that. It's like, I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to look stupid. i'm just glad it's not just ryan who's asking because he doesn't know you know what i mean that so that i like that Um, also and so they figure out the pathogen attacks plastic the doctor is like could this be the autons which is the fan question at this moment right and she says no they don't work this way they don't use viruses um so that was fine that was nice uh also she's banging her skull saying come on brains and yep. they hang a, then hang a lantern on it, and and as Graham turns to Ryan and says, "Did she just say brains?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I have a note here that uh, Graham gives marriage counseling to Jake, who doesn't do emotion or commitment or foreign travel. Uh, and in other words, doesn't do marriage, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. As, as Graham says, "Oh, you're quite a catch," which I thought was a, actually a funny line. Ooh, um, harsh. Yeah, but. Uh, we we have to establish this this B plot about the uh, Jake and Adam's Be- relationship because intersectional representation stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yaz and Gabriella have transported or teleported to an alien location, an alien place, which uh, is a soundstage with plastic sheeting hung over things. Yeah. <laughs> which is fine. Yaz, Yaz was Yaz, yeah. Yaz was way excited about. It. I found an alien colony yeah, on an alien planet. But, no, sorry. No, sorry. No. <laughs> but they do find a submarine conning tower, which was uh, kind of interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, very X Files of them. Very. Yep. Uh, so the. So I have a note here. This is where they explain about the birds are eating the pl- are eating plastic because birds, you know, the the great environmental disaster that birds eat plastic wherever they see it. Um, but the pathogen is attacking the plastic and metastasizing it, making the birds go crazy. I guess I think that's yeah, what we're establishing. It's gumming up their insides. 
and and also, make, making them know, act weird i think is the thing yeah also uh birds uh have gizzards and so they eat rocks and other small objects that they need mm-hmm. to, it's mm-hmm. not just food that they it's not just food is not the only reason they eat small objects right 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 uh, then there was something, and I, I, I gotta be honest, I didn't catch this explanation, but something about the birds in Peru and Madagascar combining something that, so that, that creates enzymes a virus that fights that back. Break down the pla- enzymes that break down the plastic also can attack the virus or something or. Yeah. This yeah. one went by me quick and I didn't catch it. And, and it did. And and I think in part it's because of the accents on the show and the fact we're Americans and are not used to these accents. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, because they have gotten away recently from standard British pronunciation on the show. And, you know, as as Americans who watch British TV, we're quite used to BBC English. Less familiar with regional accents and when everybody has a regional accent it gets harder <laughs> right it's just like my my wife was watching the bbc show shetland she watches it with the captions on even though they're speaking english apparently <laughs> yeah uh, so so cut to the chase uh it turns yeah. out the alien virus is called praxeus which is a greek name mm-hmm. um uh so there was a heretic in the early church named praxeos um, but, uh, a no, no apparent relation to this plastic eating stuff. And Suki with her over-equipped lab mm-hmm. is an alien scientist who is here to study it. And after the doctor realizes that some combination of stuff from the birds in the two locations can fight Praxius and then outs Suki as an alien researcher. Suki says, thank you very much. We've You just gave us more information than we were able to figure out for ourselves. And she teleports away. Praxis, does that mean something like uh, the one who is right? One who does right? Uh, well, so the, the, I, the word praxis in Greek mm-hmm. is the word for action. Okay. Um, oh, right. That's but right. I... I, I, I I looked to see, are there other meanings I'm not familiar with that would fit this? And I didn't see any. The thing that acts. So I, I think they picked it because it's got an X and a Latinate ending. Right, right. Uh, so they back to the TARDIS, uh, although they leave uh, Arumu. Uh, well, well, actually, yeah, let's, oh, let's talk about Arumu I was, first. I was going to mention, yeah. I, I didn't catch his name. He's the guy whose name I didn't catch. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he gets attacked by birds and... That's the last we see of him, and nobody asks any questions about him afterwards. Yeah, I, I, this was another hole for me, because here's this poor guy who gets attacked by the... Hey, you stay out here, even though we have windows in the lab that you could look out. Mm-hmm. Stay out here and watch the dangerous birds. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Then he gets attacked and presumably killed, killed. maybe. Killed, um, yeah. Or maybe he runs away, uh, maybe. Uh, but nobody seems to care or wonder. And then I'm left wondering, who was Arumu? Was he... Another one of the alien crewmen? Was he someone hired by Suki of the native people? Like it, the could local people? Either, it could have been either one, but uh, my guess would be alien researcher, but yeah. that's just a guess. Like, they could have and should have, if they're going to include this character, which they really didn't need to, but if they're going to include mm-hmm. this character, they should have tied, tied up a couple of these loose ends yeah, with him. I, I, I got the impression he was just a local that worked with her. Right. she was using as to help out with the work mm-hmm. but like you said they don't they don't mention that you you're you're you have to basically yeah. draw your own inference Poor disposable and, and that's the way he's introduced to the viewer you think he's a local right it's only in hindsight could he be a researcher poor disposable locals <laughs> i hate to say it <laughs> so anyway they get back to the tardis with uh, after the birds attack the lab and come in and uh, uh the, all these birds are flying around but none of them manage to scratch any of them except suki suki uh, <laughs> The uh, in the TARDIS, Adam volunteers to test the cure that the doctors come up with. Uh, the doctor says it's too dangerous. He's dying. He's, this is a fatal well, condition. I, I, I took that and I probably would have massaged the dialogue as a writer, but I took that as the doctor is challenging him to make sure he's really committed to this. OK, because as she's making this is informed consent. She's she's making him aware that this is really right. dangerous. OK. Uh, and then we, this is the opportunity for Adam to make a brave speech about, you know, but being strong uh, in the face of disaster. 
And also a critic, a critical note that I had at this point is how poorly designed the interior TARDIS set is, because there's no place for this guy to lie down or sit down <laughs> mm-hmm. or anything. They've got right. to kind of lay him down against those weird angled floor pedestals. <laughs> right. Yeah. With uh, some weird hexagon on the floor that acts as the heart, uh, you know, the, the ECG. Uh, yeah. Uh, m- meanwhile, Yaz uh, finds is in the alien colony, quote unquote finds uh the one of the aliens so the alien that had teleported out in the in the gas mask um now dead and now covered in those scales so infected by the praxis but killed. not blown up right uh so that's weird uh, a sign that he's one of the many totally human looking aliens in the universe <laughs> right now uh the doctor's now wondering oh what uh, whatever happened to yaz by the way let's go find her and they they find her. She's in the in the alien construct, but it turns out it's actually in the middle of the Indian Ocean, at the bottom of the sea, under under giant plastic under this, pile. Yeah, uh, the 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 one of these m- locations around the Earth in the ocean where the all the plastic shows up. Uh, so, and as you're saying, Jimmy, Indian Ocean. That's because all that plastic comes from China those... and Indonesia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. in India. So the. Uh, so we, we're told, we find out from Suki that the aliens were experimenting to, on humans to find their cure. And they were, so again, we, we don't get a straight out explanation of what happened to Adam, but presumably they snatched him out of space to experiment on him. So the, there's a line that goes by pretty quickly about mm-hmm. the doctor as, so the here under, here in the, the Praxeus structure at the bottom of the Indian Ocean. So it's got part of the sub that apparently got entangled in this structure. It has the alien spaceship that mm-hmm. landed, right. and we're, we later learn it crash landed. Um, and and then the Praxeus virus got or pathogen got out and created this structure. It grabbed the um, the submarine and killed everybody on board. And the uh, pulses of the ship's engines were what brought down the re the reentering space capsule mm-hmm. that okay. um, that it interfered with the capsule's guidance system. And this is pretty impractical. This is right. this, this would not happen. Um, but it was the it was an inadvertent thing that the ship's engines did that brought down Adam in his space capsule and he crashed and I guess got infected at that point. And then they took him to Hong Kong to their re- other research facility. Yeah. Why Hong Kong? Uh, anyway. I mean, well, <laughs> apparently they, I mean, they have to have their, their land-based research facilities somewhere, I guess. And they have one in, in Madagascar and one in Hong Kong. Okay. I suppose. And then they have their yeah. base where their ship crashed. Why did the alien virus construct this, this habitable space under the, it, no, it just, no explanation. Just did. It did. It did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, and they took the the occasion of having Adam available to to experiment on him. Apparently, yeah. uh, apparently. Uh, one thing I like is the doctor gets genuinely scoldy in a good way with the aliens once she realizes yeah. what's going on, and it's like you're using Earth as a petri dish, right? Yeah, I mean, you're you're risking destroying this planet and this race just because yours got decimated, and that's legitimate moral outrage. I I sure. I, I thought that was fine. Uh, and Suki uh, took the um, the the cure that the doctor created and it had injected herself. But the doctor points out that if that was a cure intended for human beings. And if you're not a human, it's not going to be good for you. And in fact, maybe it maybe. And in fact, it turns out it's not good for her. It ex- presumably uh, accelerated the infection because it mm-hmm. kills her fast. She's yeah. dead in a second. Um, then Adam is cured. They find out, yay, we have an antidote and a cure all in one. Uh, yeah, and the do- they set that up. The doctor said, if this works, the TARDIS will make more. And it's like, okay, yes, that's something the TARDIS could reasonably do. Yes. Yep. And we and it was a nice way of problem solving. We didn't have to find some alternative lab that could make miraculous amounts of, 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 of antigen right. super rapidly. It's like, okay, yeah. the, let the TARDIS do it. The TARDIS has the advanced technology that could make vast amounts of, of anti um of antiseptic really rapidly <laughs> although yep. i have to say this is pretty concentrated stuff because about uh less than yeah. a liter of it covers the entire planet 
(laughs) So the doctor realizes that uh, luckily this alien ship uses organic fuel cells, uh, which means you can put organic things into it and uh, fill it. So she fills the organic fuel cells with the Praxis Cure, wants to send the alien ship into the stratosphere to disperse the cure into the atmosphere and kill the disease all over the planet at once. But uh, we're going to have a plot cliche encounter here in a moment because yes. it turns out that the automatic pilot on the ship isn't fully operational and someone has to go up with it. And someone the cop decides to self-sacrifice. Yes, uh, he has to die because, of course, when he points out that, oh, this is simple. It's just up, down, left, right. Flying a spaceship is easy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in the nick of time, well, with advanced tech, it would be. Well, this is true. It, but in the nick of time, the doctor materializes the TARDIS around him, saving him from the exploding. Uh, Which spaceship. is something that could not happen in earlier, like in early incarnations of, of Doctor Who, where the doctor didn't have micro precision control of where the TARDIS right. could materialize. Right. So you couldn't there. So if you're th- if you think about other people in the past who why couldn't the doctor use this exact technique to save him because the doctor didn't have this kind of control of the TARDIS right right uh so we end the episode with the doctor leaving uh Adam and uh Jake who have you know reconciled uh and Gabriella in Madagascar for some reason with no Three passports idiots roaming yeah. well no she volunteers yep. she says why don't why don't we you know uh, no. why don't we all hang out and we'll vlog <laughs> i get that but it just she needs a new partner it, this is somewhat improbable but it's not no less improbable than than a thousand other endings to these episodes where yep. they're, they're left in in this foreign country with no passport no money no luggage you know gabriella's but friend has been ending. dead for a day but she's ready to move on. You know what I mean? It's just a, uh, it's TV. I get that. It's, all, yeah. you know, whatever. It's just <laughs> at the end of if this, it I'm helps like, oh. you, Dom, pretend this episode really took three months and they just cut out the interesting parts. <laughs> and that's why it has so many little gaps in the dialogue. <laughs> Thank you. That helps me. That does help me. So, um, and then uh, that's it. That's where, we, that's where we end things uh, with another voiceover from the doctor uh, echoing the opening voiceover. So, uh, any other notes on this, uh, Father Quarry? Just, uh, I got a kick out of the fact that the doctor thought that a shower gel can smell like a dead bird. <laughs> yes. <laughs> makes a co- she makes a comment to Ryan, oh, I thought you changed your shower gel. That's why you smell like a dead bird. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, Axe Body Spray pretty much smells like a dead bird, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else? Nope. Uh, Jimmy? So, a lot of people in the fan community, and I haven't, I haven't, thought this myself um but a lot of people in the fan community have said you know yaz needs more to do that yaz doesn't Mm -hmm. have a lot to do and the three and they've been concerned about the three companions thing i haven't i think there's no problem having three companions um i mean almost any show you've got a main character and three supporting at least three supporting characters that are regulars. Um, so I don't think there's any problem there. I think it's a question of how they're used. And I haven't been particularly bothered by the amount that the supporting characters have been used. But in this episode, Yaz clearly gets to shine and she gets a lot of agency. I mean, she's mm-hmm. the one who decides to stay behind to get this valuable piece of stuff. She's the one who decides to go through the teleport into the dangerous situation. So she's really self-actualizing as a character. Um, Also, I thought this episode was very dramatic. I thought it had a much better show don't tell thing Mm -hmm. compared to Orphan 55. Um, And, you know, it had flaws, particularly on the dialogue plot hole level. But I tend to, I don't always, but I tend to give things more of a pass, or at least I judge them more leniently if I can think of a line of dialogue that would have fixed it. And in this case, I could largely think of lines of dialogue that would have fixed things. Um, One thing that I had expected after last week was that we might get more on the whole Ruth Doctor thing. Yeah. Because Chris Chibnall had, um, had, uh, and I want to talk for a minute about Dr. Ruth, um, but uh, Chris Chibnall had co-written the previous episode. And the clear reason for that was to write all the sensitive stuff where where we're starting to retcon the doctor's history. And you want the showrunner doing that. And I thought we might get more on that in this episode, since this is also uh, co-written by Chris Chibnall. 
but we didn't get anything on that. Yeah. And that tells me something else, which is likely to explain your two reactions to this episode, because the other reason now showrunners, certainly this is how it is in America. And I'm I'm confident this is how it is in Britain, too. When a writer turns in a script, it's not done. It goes through a script editor and it has to be approved by the showrunner. And um, so there are changes made after the writer gets his crack at the script. Due to union rules, the writer gets sole credit unless the changes are really substantial, in which case, by the the Writers Guild rules, another person gets co-credit. And so apparently Chris Chibnall made such substantial contributions that the guild rules required him to get a co-writing credit on this episode, because normally he's going to change little things in any script that comes over his desk. But um, but they apparently were so big in this one that the rules mandated he get a co-credit. And that suggests the original script had lots of problems or either either that or or Chris Chibnall introduced lots of problems. <laughs> but it was no, probably yeah. his fixing of an original severely flawed script that caused a bunch of these little plot holes they needed extra dialogue to fix. Yeah. By was, the way, since since yeah. we brought up Dr. Ruth now, um in the intervening week, uh Chris Chibnall has given an interview in which he said the um that Dr. Ruth is the doctor. She's not from a parallel universe. Mm-hmm. And that's why we gave her introducing as the doctor credit that's why we gave the actress that credit the same way john hurt got that credit when he became the Mm -hmm. war doctor so for reals this is the doctor according to chibnall also we may we hope to see captain jack in the future he said but maybe not this season which i kind of predicted we might not see him this season um the in terms of who dr ruth is a new possibility emerged in the last week, which I had not initially thought of when we did our review. Um, There is a possibility that she could, I I see basically four possibilities, none of which is parallel universe. One of them is alternate timeline, Mm -hmm. but that's too close to parallel universe. I don't think they're going to do that. The other three options that I think are are much more possible are she's a pre-Hartnell doctor, or she's a future doctor that has had her memory of Jodie Whittaker blanked. Or she comes from season 6B, the period after Patrick Troughton's doctor was snatched by the Time Lords at the end of the War Games and before he regenerated into John Pertwee. Because we don't see on screen, anywhere on screen, the face-to-face transition from Patrick Troughton to John Pertwee. And so he... Dr. Ruth could fit in there in terms of the of the problems and benefits for each of these. um, The. If if she's a future doctor that has had her memory blanked, she clearly comes from a time after Gallifrey has been restored and Chibnall only just introduced the idea of Gallifrey being destroyed by the master. So um, that would totally take the edge off that really quick. So that seems unlikely. Could she be from season 6B? Well, that would explain why her TARDIS looks like a police box. Um, And the Time Lords could have blanked her memory at the end of this incarnation. Well, no, they wouldn't have needed to blank her memory at the end of this incarnation. But season 6B is so abstruse, most fans are not even aware of it. Mm-hmm. It's not the easy writing choice to to say, let's explain season 6B and have that be where this doctor is from. And that's the dramatic thing. She's from between Troughton and Hartnell. The, uh, she's between uh, Troughton and Pertwee. The dramatic thing is she's pre-Hartnell. And there's a whole other cycle of regenerations, at least, before Hartnell. And she's the timeless child. She's the first doctor. That's the dramatic thing to go for. So I still think that's what they're going to do. But for that theory to work, we need to explain why is her police, why is her TARDIS a police box? I don't think that's as hard to explain Mm -hmm. because she was on Earth. It -hmm. could have adopted that guise more than once. It's just not broken into that shape yet. It doesn't break until the unearthly child. 
So if she's on Earth, it could have been a police box. She could have been on Earth for decades. I mean, we know she was on Earth in the 1990s because that's when she moved to um, Gloucester. So I think that uh, that this is, for my money, still the one I I think they're likely to go with, although they could do season 6B Doctor or Future Doctor. Uh, But those are my thoughts on it at the moment. Uh, I, my thinking with the uh, the TARDIS looking like a police box was that uh, that the the fact that it got broken in in stayed that way with uh, in unearthly child they're going to explain has something to do with the fact that it remembers being the police box before or something right. along those lines because well, people that, that, that's assuming asking. that this is yeah the right. same TARDIS that it's you know that it's still the same actual TARDIS versus a different TARDIS so right I mean, that's true. Yeah, and it could be an entirely different TARDIS because William Hartnell steals a TARDIS. So yeah. this could mm-hmm. be an entirely other TARDIS if there's a previous regeneration cycle. Right, right. Um, one thing that another complication, though, is that Susan says she named the TARDIS. And that line has largely, it's been interpreted a couple of ways. Some people have said Susan took the initials for time and relative dimension in space and made up the word TARDIS. And that's how Susan named the TARDIS. Um, but there's been so much pre Hartnell Doctor Who in stuff or pre unearthly child stuff that they've largely ignored that line. And they have tar- Time Lords talking about TARDISes before Susan. Right. So. I think that's kind of a mopey, something that's largely we all agreed to forget that because it doesn't make sense in terms of what we later decided to do. Mm. Uh, interesting. So, yeah, I, I will to go back to something you said earlier. I, I will say maybe part of what threw me off with this episode was the expectation that we were going to have to more on this, you know, earth shattering right. development about the doctor that mm-hmm. and, just- and not having that was kind of throwing me off. It, it it seemed like like I had mentioned for the previous episode where there are the three alerts that it was going to be one of these where like the next three episodes are going to be one alert each instead right. of all of them being one, you know, mm. and I think we kind of I think there was kind of the expectation of the, the, the expectation that, OK, now we've got the arch for the rest of the season and the rest of the season is going to fill out that arch, not realizing this is actually just a standalone episode well, that yeah. doesn't really have anything to do with that arch at all. Oh, I watched the coming up next time and i think they made it clear they were all going to be all three at once so i was expecting a diverse chase episode hunting down these three things and, yeah and immediately i don't watch the next episode uh, teasers so i didn't see it either so yeah that's that might also explain different expectations mm-hmm. well yeah and l- like you guys i'll acknowledge there's a bunch of flaws in this mm-hmm. i just like the overall shape of the story i thought it was dramatically filmed and okay. so i could enjoy it on mm-hmm. that level while still recognizing right. the flaws. I'd like well, the location it's, shooting too. That was that's oh nice yeah, to get outside. Spots. Yeah. Um. Uh, I do want to uh, get a little bit of feedback in from our listeners who, who gave us some Yay. feedback on *Fleet uh, of the of the Jadoon last episode. Uh, Amy Flowers writes on Facebook uh, to in response to Jimmy saying he doesn't know why she Ruth started a fire right away. She says, "I don't know, Jimmy. I was in West Bay, England, in May a few years ago, and I was grateful the heat was still on." I defer to your greater yep. experience. <laughs> yes, the, the infamous uh, weather in England. Uh, well, I was going to say, even even living in Montana in May, you're going to need your furnace <laughs> once in a while. Right. right. Uh, Keisha Austin Kalen on Facebook writes, David Tennant said in an extra clip during his season, uh, uh, this, uh, I think the, she means the season with uh, the Jadoon, saying that the ooh sound was hard for him due to his Scottish accent. And so the rhyme was a joke because it was hard for him to say. So the, the scriptwriters were trolling David Tennant. <laughs> They're a jadoon on the moon, he had to keep saying. A platoon of jadoon on the moon. <laughs> so, Next uh, to a lagoon. So thank you, everyone, for all of your feedback. We had uh, other feedback, too, but I think we've kind of covered some of the response to that in, in what you were saying there, Jimmy. So I won't necessarily go through all of that, but uh, we do appreciate all the feedback we get from folks. So as we wrap up, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including uh, Nellie B, Lynn Z, Laura R, Donna C, and Pat D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest 
you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of Praxius? We had a diversity of opinion here. What did you think? Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who or on the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or by sending us an email to Who at sqpn.com. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode entitled, Can You Hear Me? Can you hear me now? It won't be a Verizon commercial, I'm pretty sure. Until, Let's hope. <laughs> until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Yeah, thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, this is why I don't travel abroad. Right. This is going to be fun.